Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. This is Weekend Gardening. I don't care whether you're into a drift of dandelions, a host of daffodils, a droop of peonies, or perhaps a Vincent of sunflowers at your house today. This is the place for you. We go green around here for a couple of hours, and that gives us the opportunity to talk about your plants and my plants, the ones we like, the ones we're not so crazy about, the ones we wish we could grow, and the ones that, frankly, we wish would stop growing everywhere. That's the ones called the weeds. You know, the weeds actually are the ones that the gardener doesn't want, the plant growing anywhere that the gardener doesn't want it. I have just taken a series of photographs that... I have to admit, I don't know the gardener, so I don't know if they actually wanted this. But there's a bed near me that had a beautiful Laura Petalum in it. And I used to enjoy driving by it and seeing it, but I didn't realize that the reason you could see it is because it had outgrown its space to the point where there's a sweet olive under there. There's actually a little oak tree that has come up under there. And there is also two other unidentified as yet shrubs and one holly that are all trying to grow but the Laura Petalum hadn't been pruned in so long that the thing is like a, a, the size of a car. I mean, it's just gigantic. And when it blooms, it is lovely. But if you've got that kind of situation, you may not want to take down the Laura Petalum. This is a perfect time to begin looking at the trees that you want to dig up, the shrubs that you want to dig up, to transplant somewhere else, to put into a container and give as a gift to somebody, or frankly, just to do something else with. You may have... For example, an area you're trying to work on for a wildlife garden. Well, okay, if you've got that little oak tree coming up inside your Laura Petalum, that's a great tree for the wildlife area, but it's not doing the Laura Petalum any good and vice versa. That's the kind of tips that I hope to provide for you here. Saturdays are our time. Of course, there's always something else going on in the garden, and you know more than I do about that. 888 the Super Talk call line to tell me what's going on in your garden. And send me a picture or a note or something hopefully that I can read on the air. 601-879-4395, the C Spire text line. Y'all are funny sometimes. Oh, my goodness. I have many, many things to talk about with you today, and I hope that if you... First of all, I have to say that this this being fall, this being autumn, this being football season, should you find yourself taken away for any reason, don't expect it, don't deny it, go to the stream. You might want to just listen on the stream anyway. Supertalk.fm, lots of people do. And, of course, there's an app for that. <laughs> I mean, and you look amazing. I love the blue oh, and the purple. We'll do yeah. the video today. Yeah, you got to get on the video, too. And you know, we're matched up with our purple. I don't so. understand how we did that. I, it, um, it, it's, think it's great minds that. think alike. Exactly, exactly. But it, I will admit, and, and I'm not going to be here the last Saturday of this month, which, of course, would be the ordinarily the Halloween show. So I have to begin wearing my Day of the Dead 
scarf and other Halloween things during the week. Ken, Ken Hackman will be here. This will be a live program, and trust me, there are birders out there right now applauding because they, they tolerate me so they can hear Ken. <laughs> I get that. Y'all are great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, you know, you got it's All Saints Day. I was listening last night. You always you know, get refreshed on you know, on these holidays, and, you know, you get the, oh, Halloween's a pagan holiday and all that, and then, you know, it's actually the, the night before the All Saints Day. You know? Yes. And so... You get such beautiful colors this time of year, though, and and you, you, with the the beautiful scarf you have on, just the oranges and the browns, and then you throw in something like the purple. Mm-hmm. And the flowers are all blooming, and, well, and I can't believe it. We, it's so we dry. Do, we do celebrate with things that are at least should be in full tone right now. The good news is that our native purple asters and the goldenrod, and of course any number of other things, ironweed and and, and such as that don't really care whether it rains or not it just it that will tell you bone set for example is going to stay in bloom but it will get drier <laughs> it won't be as pretty in a vase perhaps but it's just lovely on the roadside i saw i didn't expect to but i saw some liatris uh blooming the the the, the tall purple gay feather blooming on the side of the highway which is not usually in my experience happening at this time of year and i just wondered if it that tells me something else about the dry conditions that it you know it favors things maybe favors rebloom people will tell you there's no scientific reason for this but people will tell you that plants will attempt to save themselves if they think they're about to croak they'll put on another flower so they can set some seeds so perhaps that's it there there are reactions within plants that have that have that sort of experience we for example um, you're always ad- advised if you have a climbing rose and it won't bloom to take those canes and bend them over a trellis or bend them over a support because that changes the direction of the oxens flowing in the stems. Other people would tell you that it's just so that you make the rose mad and make it bloom. But what you're actually doing is changing the flow of its oxens so that hopefully it can bloom. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I um, I spent some time this week with the Peggy Martin Rose in my front garden. Now, for those of you who've listened to this saga, you know that Peggy Martin tore down two different trellises, and now the tree next to her has grown over her top. So, yes, there's going to have to be a redo. Mm, it's unfortunate. This is a very deep-rooted rose, and now they're about where there were one, where there was one. There's about six coming up where the canes have just fallen over and, and rooted. So. In in accordance with the Fondren bottle, t- bottle Tree Garden Tour that is happening this Sunday, get your tickets at the Cedars, by the way, not from me, um, I'm, I'm going to be out there digging them up. <laughs> Maybe somebody will want to buy them. I don't know. I, have, I will have a plant sale in my driveway. Don't get excited about this. This is not a whole bunch of stuff. This is a neighborhood thing we've never done before, and I'm just going to be out there talking and carrying on about, yes, frankly, the weeds of Fondren because I have all of them. And they're all, at this moment in time, giving me more trouble than they should be. So that's really the unfortunate part. Oh, my goodness. Good morning. Good morning, Corey. How's everything in Batesville today? Good to hear from you. I uh, I have gotten several emails lately from people who just came back from somewhere else to discover, yikes, that <laughs> was going on in their yard. This particular week, it has been both... I love this name. This is so descriptive of an insect. The Asian woolly hackberry aphid. Yeah, that's right. I said the Asian woolly hackberry aphid. Now, this they, they do fly a little bit. 
they're furry and fuzzy and have lots of white sticking out of them. So you would think that they might be another insect, but they're not sticky. Well, they probably would be if you squished them, but they're not they're not sticky to touch the way that, say, mealybugs are, which they can be mistaken for. But they are a piercing and sucking insect that are kind of like the lichen of that group. The lichen, of course, it gets on your tree branches, but it's not going to kill them. People think that the lichen killed the tree. That's not actually true. The tree was not in great shape, and therefore the lichen grew there. So this is the same sort of thing. Um, the, the, they'll take advantage of a, a, a suitable place to live, but the Asian woolly hackberry aphid is not going to kill the tree. The good news is if you had to control them, because if you did, it would be a lot of trouble. We have a lot of hackberries. They're also called sugarberries in other places. Celtis is the name of the species. But they're they're the home. They're the only home uh, of the emperor hackberry butterfly. That's where that one. That's the choice. You know. That's what that plant go. What that butterfly goes to. And I'm I'm more in favor of them than I am against the Asian woolly hackberry aphids. So there. I did think that the picture that someone sent me, which is, is in the newsletter this week, um, is really pretty cute because it was on his hand. It wasn't, he, he sent another picture of it on the tree, but it, uh, on your hand, when you can get them to land like that, that's pretty good. Another thing someone wrote to me about just recently, and I'm sorry to say this, I have seen it, and, and I don't actually have it this year, um, Another one of the dry circumstance insects that just takes advantage of it, we think of spider mites, but we have to also think of lace bugs. And in terms of lantana, the the way you can tell that it is almost certainly lace bugs is because when the damage appears, it not only knocks the color of the leaf down, it's no longer bright green, but it also goes on the edges of the leaf and dehydrates them, so they begin to have borders that are brown. The spider mites do a more even-handed bit of destruction. They they will stipple the leaves. It'll look as if something has had tiny pins going in it. But in terms of the lace bugs, they're actually more unsightly, and you will be more likely to notice them. There are a couple of different things to do. First of all is to cut the lantana down and get that material out of your garden because they will they will literally set up a condominium and be in your yard for the next year if you don't get rid of them while, when you see them. And it's also a real good idea because we do cut lantanas down when we have a problem with them, but they're going to sprout right back up and grow some new leaves. If you see that problem right away, you're going to want to address it in a more aggressive manner with a, a, a pyrethrin or, or insecticidal soap or something while it's a small problem. And when the leaves fall off again, you're going to want to spray the whole business with horticultural oil, just like you do any woody plant in the wintertime to create a more sustainable environment for them to grow. So that's what's going on. There's there's a lot lot to be said in the garden this week, um, and I'm I'm serious about this. If you are having the same kinds of challenges that I am with trying to get water to things, believe you me, we we are looking at a little chance, a very small chance of rain. I've watered my hydrangeas, I'm pretty sure, for the first time in five years. (laughs) But I actually watered them, and they did look better this morning because it was getting a little rough out there. But I I don't do that very much. I, I have very deep soil. I produce it that way intentionally over time and give myself the opportunity to grow plants that, frankly, like where they are so that if they get rain, that's great. When they get rain, it's even better. 
but they can tolerate the rest of the circumstances. This year, even my hydrangeas needed a little more water than they were getting. You just can't walk up to the back of your house with wilted plants for two days in a row. It still it took them that long, okay? They would have they could easily have wilted sooner, but because I do a good job with the soil before they ever get there, and generally speaking, we have had a lot of waterfall, a lot of rain this year, at least at my house. I read something this week. You know, I'm always interested in uh, simplified charts of, of actions to take and things. Uh, from this, I take that we need to brush our teeth more often. University of Pennsylvania has been studying. There's a whole host of research projects that people have done over this last maybe two years that are absolutely frightening when it comes to individual behaviors. And the reason for this, I think, is because we were all at home. The pandemic kept a lot of people. You couldn't. It wasn't as easy to launch an expedition, say, to Timbuktu to go look at something. But you could talk to the people down the hall and get them to do individual tests and Zoom with them and take some tests and do some results. Well, researchers have now found... Oh, dear. The, the the critters, the bacteria, the fungi, the, the things we love in the soil, you know, there's a whole range of them, just like there are people. There are people that we'd like to hang out with. There's people we'd just as soon not. Anybody has had that experience in their life, okay? Bacteria and fungi are the same. There's some that I cannot live without in my garden, but I would really rather live without these in, in my teeth or yours. Here's the deal. There's a there's a very very severe form of childhood tooth decay, which is one of the reasons, in my his, historic understanding, for why we've been so serious about putting fluoride into the water along the way. Uh, these are just these are things that have been controversial at different times, but there's almost always a reason why somebody wanted to do that. It turns out that the two things can in your mouth can join together the bacteria and the fungi, and form. What I am call what they call and what I am calling an oh no they're they're calling it a superorganism I'm calling it an oh no because it has unusual strength and resilience and indeed they they're here in they're here in the mouth now and they can spread around in their own way and make more tooth decay particularly in children oh no <laughs> this is bad this is bad so. What they were trying to do, uh, we always have some other thing that happens. You know, they were, they were looking at the saliva samples from the toddlers that had developed this really aggressive form of tooth decay, and they noticed in under the microscope that there were armies forming. The bacteria and the fungi were coming together in what would ordinarily be an unholy alliance, but sadly has become a, a thing they put themselves together and create worse problems in tooth decay in the children. Yikes! I mean, do you know how hard it is to teach children to brush their teeth? Next thing they're going to tell me is that I need to brush my cat's teeth. I know some of y'all think I should anyway. But this is terror. This is bad. you got to have your teeth. And and hopefully, um, they've, they've always been worried. About, this is a, a study that has been going on for years at University of Pennsylvania to work on the, the plaque and the reasons for this. But apparently, all the reasons that the foods or the, the eating habits or the not eating habits or whatever it is, is actually ends up being, yikes, a superorganism. Good grief. Go brush your teeth again. <laughs> I think we might. Is that, isn't that something? You ever think about the things that some higher power should have figured out by now? Tooth decay is one of them. 
how to get children here with more of their parts working would be helpful. <laughs> but we just don't have that. Oh, really good question this week about when to prune hydrangeas. And so, of course, I had to send back and say, what kind of hydrangeas? So she sent me a picture, and it was a limelight. And I'm, I have had this question like three times in the last two weeks. I think because, just like my limelight in this dry, dry, dry fall, the flowers don't look so great. Ordinarily, the limelight flowers hang on, and in the presence of a certain amount of irrigation, they will develop nice fall color. Mine are going directly from creamy colored to brown, and, and not all at once. So it's not, it, it really does look like there's something wrong with them. There's not. It's just dry. But the panicle hydrangeas do not need to be pruned right now. That's the kind that is limelight. Um, because what we're trying to do for them is let them bloom on the wood that they grow in the year they're going to bloom. So you need to leave them alone right now. Then at the beginning of spring or late winter, just at, before they put their leaves out, after they've dropped everything and before they put on the new leaves, that's the best time really to go ahead and prune them. That is completely different from the mop head or French hydrangeas, the big round-headed ones. Those we're going to prune after they bloom in the summer or late spring, in the same way that we do gardenias. It, the, uh, pruning them at other times of the year, despite what my grandmother said, is really not a good idea. <laughs> so, she, she pruned when she pruned, you know. Oh, the texts are coming in. You can join the party, 601-879-4395, the C Spire text line, and, of course, taking your phone calls on the Super Talk call line, 888 Seven. Concerts at Renaissance are back as Ratchet Entertainment presents Blues Traveler and Government Mule live Saturday, October 22nd. Blues Traveler with Government Mule. Plus Bonneville. Tickets on sale now at TwilightMS.com for Government Mule, Blues Traveler, and Bonneville. Brought to you by Southern Beverage, Renaissance, Visit Ridgeland, and Watkins Construction. Produced by Ratchet Entertainment Group. You know that nowadays, most people go online to look at a business before they spend their money. Are customers able to find you online? With the power of Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital, you can reach potential customers and get more referral and repeat business. Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital's highly trained and trusted staff is ready to work with you to help your business capitalize on the power of digital marketing. Call 601-991-2305 or go to stmmdigital.com to get started today. Run! Get to the car! It's coming! Start the car! What are you waiting for? I knew I should have gotten to Ridgeland Mitsubishi! 
get rid of that creepy old car you've been driving around in and upgrade to a new vehicle today at Ridgeland Mitsubishi. We have new inventory arriving daily with ghoulish deals. We have Mirage, Outlander, Outlander Sports, and more. All in stock and more in transit. And we're offering super low 2.9% APR, which will save you thousands in finance charges. Is your credit history spooky? Our credit team will work to get you approved no matter how many skeletons are in your closet. We want your trade. We'll give you a whole lot for whatever you're driving dead or alive. So come save like never before with scary good deals at Ridge or Mitsubishi, where nobody walks away because everybody saves. 1860 East County Line Road. Call 896-9600 today or visit RidgelandMitsubishi.com. Remember, you're approved at Ridgeland Mitsubishi. With a credit deal Garden Mama here. Lakeland Yard and Garden Center has what you're looking for in its full-service nursery and garden center, greenhouse, and garden shop. Meet the professional staff at Lakeland, always ready to help you with trees and shrubs and patio furnishings, tables and cushions for entertaining, as well as pumpkins and pansies, plus soils, mulches, and amendments for your landscape and container plants. Lakeland has seeds and plants for your fall vegetable garden, too. Listen to your mama now. We're growing your way at Lakeland Yard and Garden Center, Lakeland Drive and Airport Road. This is Treasurer David McRae. One out of every 10 Mississippians has unclaimed money. It's not the government's money. It's your money. And I want to help return it to you. Join Treasurer David McRae and team during the State Fair. Stop by the Unclaimed Money and College Savings booths, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. October 6th to 15th, to see if you have unclaimed money, learn about college savings, and sign up for a chance to win a $500 scholarship. Treasurer David McRae and team in the Trademark at the State Fair until October 15th. Come see us. The roar of our engines, the pump of our heartbeats, the pedal to our metal, the sparks that ignite us, the pistons that push us, the passions that drive us. From the feelings that move us to the places that pull us on the roads that unite us. With nearly 6,000 stores and over 17,000 auto care centers, Napa has America's largest network of parts and care, here to keep you firing on all cylinders. Research shows moving is one of life's most stressful events, but thanks to Two Men in a Truck Ridgeland, it doesn't have to be. We have everything you need, a professional team who will customize your move, a schedule to fit your convenience Monday through Saturday, and all of the necessary moving supplies, including free padding and stretch wrap to protect your belongings. Don't stress. Let Two Men in a Truck handle your home or business moving needs. Visit twomenandatruck.com for a free, no-obligation estimate. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Thank you so much for deciding that this needed to be part of your life. Because guess what? I can't do it without you. 888 That's the Super Talk call line. 601-879-4395. The C Spire text line. Um, yeah, beautiful pictures today. Just beautiful. Good question about daylily division, when to do that. Um, you know, 
There's so many choices. There are, Rob's in Amory with that, and there are, this is one of those plants that there, there, there actually are three kinds of daylilies for, for a start. There's some that lose their leaves entirely. There's some that lose some of their leaves or some of them turn yellow, but not the whole plant doesn't go dormant, apparently. And there's some that are evergreen. So I, there are a couple of different ways to approach this. Traditional wisdom would say you divide it in the season opposite its bloom. So if they bloom in the spring, you're going to divide them in the fall. That can be okay, but it's really, really dry in many, many places. For example, I, my my kind of go word is if there's a burn ban, don't start digging up and dividing perennial plants. So wait until it gets a little bit better weather for them. All you're looking for with daylilies is the opportunity for them to get established with their roots before you're asking them to put on new growth. So that's an, that's one reason why we often, if we have evergreen daylilies, we will trim the top half of their leaves off, not individual leaves, but just cut them like a fan, the same way you would do irises, so that they can focus on putting down some roots when you move them without having to worry about too much top growth at that time that they have to support with the roots that are a little bit compromised from having been dug up. So unless it's real hot and real dry, right now is a fine time to dig and divide daylilies. If you need to wait a week, that'll it'll still be fine then. If it turns out that the weather never evens out or that it just goes from hot to cold or from dry to wet and stays that way, it's okay to do it in early spring. The daylilies are not going to – they may be a little bit um, slower to get reestablished. If if you have if the plants are terribly crowded, you for example, and you do that in the springtime, you may or may not get flowers at that particular point. But certainly if they need to be divided up because they're so crowded, you weren't going to get flowers anyway. So why not do it when it's comfortable for the plants? There is another theory of digging and dividing perennials, and that is when you're in the mood. And that's part of being in an area of the world where most everything is going to be okay. And if particularly if you're willing to provide water to it. That's been the only caveat that I have offered to this whole well, it's October. I've got to plant these shrubs and do this landscaping project and this and that and plant all this stuff. That's good. Just be sure that you've also got your watering in place first. The saddest thing to, to, to walk up to, other than my wilted hydrangeas, would be brand-new shrubs wilted that I just paid for. So take care of things with water, <laughs> needless to say. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? But it really is. Uh, let's see. Dale in the Delta, good morning, wants to know if you can dig up and transplant spider lilies right now. Here's another one where I'm going to tell you what I think. Well, I'm going to tell you what the plant thinks, and then I'm going to tell you what people think, okay? The plant thinks that you should mark where that clump is, and when the flower dies down and the leaves sprout up, any time that they're in leaf is a better time to transplant from the plant's point of view. However, I know that's not what people do. They see that red spider lily, they go out there and they dig up a hole that hopefully includes the bulb that's big enough, you know, to get the roots on it, and they take it and they replant it, and it still works because these are very hardy, very durable, and frankly, very forgiving bulbs. Um, they're not they're, The red spiders are much more forgiving than their cousins, the yellow spiders. The yellow spider lily, for those of you who have not heard my saga of it, um, I was given a, a group of three bulbs, and... Immediately when the person told me how expensive they were, I was afraid to do anything with them because they were a gift, but they were a very expensive gift. And 
I, I planted them and they grew for years and did beautifully in my far back garden. Then I decided to move them to where they would have just a little bit more sunlight during the rest of the year because that area got very, very shady and I wanted them to still be able to bloom and multiply. Well, I did too much. So now I have one stem <laughs> after after ooh, 12, 15 years. I have one stem of, of those golden ones left and it is spectacular, but they are not anywhere nearly as forgiving as the red ones. I could have dug the red ones up 10 times and moved them anywhere and in fact have. But uh, there, this is this was not... I'm, I'm just glad there was enough rain to get that one to, to come up so now I can dig it up and move it again. <laughs> I know what we do. We all do that stuff. Interesting questions in the Garden Mama group. If you're part of that group on Facebook and uh, you don't put a picture in with your post, it doesn't get posted. And, yes, they all come past me. So I have to decide if they're going to work. And I have begun answering some of those questions here because, thankfully, a lot of those folks listen to this program. Thank you very, very much. Audiences are often very separated. People who buy books are not necessarily the same people who, for example, would read a newspaper column or not the same people who would listen to a radio broadcast. But luckily, because we're gardeners, we kind of tend to find one another in all these different platforms. They used to just be called venues, but now they're platforms. So I'm happy that that, that's all coming together. The question about... Privacy trees, fast-growing trees, um, for example, is a question that if, if you posted it, if you had asked the question in the Garden Mama group and you had put in a picture of said, this is this a good choice, and put in a picture of a maple or a picture of something, I, I would post it and let everybody weigh in on it. But without a picture, it's not. It's much much too boring and, frankly, leads to people just jumping on you with words that you don't even need to know about. Think People would just go out and reprint a list of trees off Google. Well, that's not what we're trying to do in that group or here. We're trying to do individual personal experiences. And for that reason, I'm going to open it up to y'all. Send me some texts. What is your favorite fast-growing tree for privacy? I have a few ideas, of course, because I always have a few ideas. (laughs) But I want to know. I want to pass on a good list to this particular person. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to say also that please make sure that you uh, do yourself a favor. And if you see that line of red spider lilies and you decide to go dig them up, find out whose property it is and ask them. Now, come on, Lance, you know that. They're growing everywhere. I mean, Carrie and I have seen them. They're so beautiful. So much rain in the springtime Mm -hmm. is what feeds that bulb. And then the, the leaves are up, they go dormant. And then when it's time for bloom at the end of the summer, they send up their stem first. So we don't ever we don't see the leaves until maybe Thanksgiving. Well, yeah. I, when I was up in Oxford, I had a lovely lady that you know. When I was a, a former life is in finance, a, a great client. But about once a year, she would always say, "Hey, come by the house. I've got bulbs." And it was always mm-hmm. they had mm-hmm. shared. She you know she was much like you, very knowledgeable. Probably in her early 80s at the time, but I would come over and she'd get out there with the little the little spade and then dig them up and give me bags full and mm-hmm. had you know iris and Lucky lilies. You. Oh, it was amazing, yeah. and I had them all over my yard. The one that I didn't see was the spider lily, which is something I've learned uh, more lately. But when you're when you're transplanting bulbs, is you know what is the depth that you want to get to when you're dropping those bulbs? And and two, she told me once that if you were to till up at the end of the year. 
you know, till those bulbs up that they would multiply uh, more so the next year. And I, I have a, is that true? I mean, because it seemed that it helped them, but mm-hmm. I don't know if it was because it was in a northern zone or, or what. Well, I would say cultivating the area is a good idea because you also would probably throw out a little fertilizer then or something. But it it's um, some works for some bulbs and doesn't work for everything. For example, when it comes to depth, if someone gives you a crinum bulb that is the size of a softball, you might think, well, I really need to bury this thing. But actually, you just need to put it as low as to cover the bulb up so that when you you can see the nose where the, the leaves come out. So that's just barely at ground level. Whereas if you were planting daffodils, for example, or tulips, you want to make they need a little bit more soil to support their stem. So you're going to put them a little bit deeper than than surface level, but it's it's also a matter of what shape the bulb is in when it's given to you. If it still has leaves on it, you don't want to bury it too deeply. But you probably wouldn't do that with spider lilies or with you might do it with daffodils, but you probably wouldn't do it with anything else. The hardest ones for people are iris, I think, because iris, if it's bearded iris and has the big fat rhizome coming out from under the leaves, I have a box full of those, by the way. I'm going to give those away, too. Um, That particular structure has to be at soil level. And if it's covered up, either the thing will rot or it'll get bores or you just won't get flowers. And you say, well, that's a waste of space. You know, I need to put some other plant there when all you needed to do was to pull back the mulch. On the other hand, if you're growing other irises, flag irises that that need access to water, they're going to be more deeply planted. And some of the classics, some of the, the iris virginianas, for example, that you'll see, they may be the very first ones that you see in the spring, be white or purple, and they're blooming around some tree in some ancient yard, because that's where they generally tend to naturalize. And those are not going to be very deep, but they're also going to be so close together that no other bulb would bloom in that kind of proximity. <laughs> so it's every one is a little bit different than the next. The good news is um, we grow a lot of bulbs in this part of the world, and that it makes it, if you if you think about the bulb-like plants, then we get into the cannas and all the things that grow from tubers and from corms, you know, and those are the things that, that where they store the energy and can store water in them. A lot of times those are the plants that do better for us because they're able to maintain some of their own needs. We forget. <laughs> it either doesn't rain or we just don't go out and water. I had a beautiful Japanese iris. I didn't know what it was. Oh, I nice. bought a home, and, and it was on the front porch kind of um, off to the right of a walkway. And for about three years, it just seemed to – it was such a hearty green, thick – you know, mm-hmm. a leaf mm-hmm. coming up, and I kept thinking, you know, what is what this? What is it? <laughs> and, she, and and my my client came by, and she goes, "Oh, that's a Japanese iris." And funny enough, I mean, the next year I had the most beautiful it blooms, bloomed. and yeah. it was probably five feet tall. Yeah, uh, it can but, be. I mean, it was yeah. huge, but it was a mature plant that I guess had gotten crowded, yes. and until I had moved some stuff out of the way, it just didn't want to function. Uh, but and I wanted to say something about John. Uh, he takes great pictures, doesn't he? I'd like yeah. to know where he is because I think I know where that Indian mound is that he's talking about. I hunt around there, I believe. Well, and um, there, there's a there's a delight in seeing photographs from places that are not where you're going to see it yourself that day. There's that's I think that's Ansel Adams wrote very poetically about his ability to see light where other people didn't see it, and when you look at his photography, you see that quality just. 
amped up every vi- every bit of vision that you might have had when someone else takes a better fo- photograph than than you could actually see in your own life it's a joy and john does that all the time um i like the john Gr- john grilla by the way john that's funny but yes thanks say hello please say hello to, to mr m for me oh i had no idea <laughs> there's so many things i don't know <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I have learned something today. Well, this this was the other day. Texas A&M is, is frankly, let me just say this. They, they came into the SEC, and I was not happy, along with Missouri. That's not the southeast, neither of those places. But anyway, that's for another day. They do, however, do tremendous horticulture research and many other things, too. Uh, in this particular case, they have been trying to figure out how to make plastics that degrade. Now, for those of you who have never heard this conversation or, you know, just tuned in for the first time to this program, we human beings love our plastics. We are so happy that somebody invented plastics because otherwise we wouldn't have the packaging to carry things around, to transport them, to move them from place to place. And there's a million other things we wouldn't have. We wouldn't have some forms of wire insulation. We wouldn't have, I mean, there's just all sorts of stuff that before plastic didn't exist for us in, in a form that was actually usable and consumable. Well, unfortunately, it never goes away in many cases. And that's why there was so much emphasis over the decades to try and find out how to recycle all of these things kind of run into a wall on recycling plastic there's a lot more plastic and a lot fewer uses and also because there's a lot more different kinds of plastic it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be i believe as a civilization to just turn it into something else when it works it works when it doesn't it doesn't and it still ends up with huge piles of what i anticipate will be like water world only it'll be plastic world out in the ocean somewhere well texas a&m is now working on non-degradable plastics all right but what they're working with is carbon dioxide how can we put carbon dioxide to work in a better way so that our plastics can turn into something that we can actually not be quite so concerned about it's texas a&m folks i gotta tell you it's pretty sweet now listen to this and come right back because this is weekend gardening This is Ernie Johnson, Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles. And college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD, and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill. Or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. 
Hello, I'm Colonel Randy Ginn, Director of the Mississippi Highway Patrol. In 2021, MHP investigated 1,480 crashes involving commercial motor vehicles on Mississippi roadways. Many of those crashes could have been avoided. The MHP Motor Carrier Safety Division is partnering with big rig truckers to conduct safety checks across our state through the Troopers and Truckers Safety Initiative. The Department of Public Safety and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration are working together with one common goal, to keep our highways safe for everyone. Thank you and drive. Hey guys, it's football season again and the College Corner is back to get you geared up for game day. We have significantly increased our inventory so there's even more to choose from. Still waiting in lines and fighting the big crowds in Starkville and Oxford? Come by and our staff will have you in and out and on your way. Want to score a touchdown at your next tailgate or homegate party? Then look for us online at collegecornerstore.com or come see us at our Ridgeland store and in Flowood. The College Corner, where it's our job to make your Saturdays great. Jenny Key, the king of clean. How do you and your staff get things done? Teamwork. When a team works together, they can do anything. That's why all of us at Jenny King, the king of clean, are excited to team up with you. At Jenny King, our team has been working together for over 35 years, cleaning your places for work, education, medical attention, eateries, stadiums, and worship. Let our team help your team. Go to JennyKingCleans.com and trust your clean to the king. That's JennyKingCleans.com. Jenny King, the king of Digital banking from the Citizens Bank is great if you're like me, a shall we say, night person. With our secure online banking and mobile app, you can bank on your own time. With a touch of the screen, you can pay bills, make deposits, even transfer funds on the fly. See digital banking in a new light, just not sunlight. (laughs) Download the app today. The Citizens Bank, member at DIC. From the very beginning, and every workday since, at every shift and every individual effort, we carry a common purpose, a common cause. It's a duty we proudly honor. Knowing behind every product we build is your faith in us. Dedicated to the craft of gun making. Dedicated to your freedom, equality, security, and the promise of this great country. Smith & Wesson, empowering Americans. Learn more at smith-wesson.com. He takes the pin, signs the dotted line, touchdown! That's right, you'll always score big when you shop your home team, Mazda of Jackson. You'll feel like you just scored a touchdown with the deals you'll get on every new Mazda in stock. Get super low 1.9% financing for 36 months on new 2022 Mazda CX-9s. Get 2.49% financing for 36 months on new 2022 Mazda CX-5s. And get 2.49% financing for 36 months on the all-new 2023 Mazda CX-50. Buy a new Mazda, and Mazda of Jackson will take care of your first year's maintenance at no cost to you. Shop right now at MazdaofJackson.com. Plus, you can buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile warranty. Have a trade-in? Bring it in, and we'll give you top dollar for it, even if you don't buy a vehicle from us. And remember, 100% credit approval is our number one goal. Come score big at Mazda of Jackson, where nobody walks away because everybody saves. Our all-new state-of-the-art facility is located at 5397 I-55 Frontage Road North in Jackson. Call 991-2222 today. MazdaofJackson.com. With proof credit on select models, see dealer for details. Well, it's all
We're going to go to the phones and talk with Jonathan in Brandon about his roses. Welcome in, Jonathan. Thanks for calling Weekend Gardening. Good morning. Hello. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Good. Uh, I was calling. My wife has some roses that are about 100 years old. They've been passed down, and, you know, they're the original ones. And uh, some grass is going up in the middle of one of them. And, of course, I've pulled it out and ruined my hand several times. And it just keeps coming back. And she doesn't want to spray it with anything because she thinks it's going to kill the rose. So is there anything that we could use that make her feel better that I can get rid of this grass and save my hand? How big is the grass clump? Is it as big around, say, two inches across or ten? I mean, what? how big is it? It's right through the middle of it. It's, it's kind of a rattly-looking straw grass. Mm-hmm. But at the, base, is, at, at the base of it, is it is it when you go to pull it up, is it easy to pull up, or is there... Is it like uh, a, a it's big area? Pull up, and it's it's not you know it's just it's straw like. Okay, it's like straw coming out through it. So okay, there are a couple of things no that clump of grass. Yeah, there's a couple of things you can do because it, spraying's not going to be effective anyway. So that's that's the first thing. When we the, these are and they are straw grasses. There, they might be bahia, it might be any number of other things. But when they come up like that and are immediately gone to straw. They've lost the competition. They're just in the way of the rose. So you're smart to want to get rid of it. But it, it's going to be a little bit different than I, you probably expect. Um, I would not pull it up. I would literally cut it off at ground level and put something just on, if it's two inches across or if it's four inches across, put a rock on it, something right there underneath the rose, right where the grass comes up, but cut it off up repeatedly at ground level and each time try to get a little bit lower um, I'll say to people a lot of times when we take out a pesky weed like this, we're we're taking it down. So we're trying to actually cut into or or re- remove with the string trimmer. It wouldn't be a string trimmer in this case. It's probably going to be a hand clipper to get that base of the plant a little bit of the underground part out. Now at that point, even though it's in a rose bush that's precious to us all, I'm not going to say you shouldn't. Put something else on top of that, for example, a little bit of lime or a little bit of salt, something that's going to suppress the growth of that weed. But then put something physical on top of it, whether it's a rock or something else. Just mulching it isn't going to slow it down. But something that it cannot poke through, that along with going underneath there and cutting it whenever you happen to think about it, will get that thing out of there in in long term without hurting the rose. Now, the other thing about a 100-year-old rose is that it deserves to be propagated at least twice every five years just because a 100-year-old rose needs to be continued into the you know the rest of the world and your family, but there may be a problem with it down the way that you can't control when, when, age, when age gets us, it gets us. <laughs> so I encourage you to propagate that, to that rose as well as controlling this grass. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds good. I appreciate your information sure. very it's, much. You know, suppression is really a lot of it. Um, I, uh-huh. I have, I have, I've had clients in the past that sort of thought I was crazy, but they had bamboo coming up under their fence from their neighbor. All right, so you can't get rid of it. it, it what I did was to pour concrete and create a birding bird feeding station. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is perfect next to their fence, and it kept the bamboo from coming at least for five or six years. I mean, to, you know, it's, if you can slow stuff down, sometimes that's what you need to do. Thank you very much, Bob. Sure, thank you. I look forward to it. Send me pictures. I, I would love to see a 100-year-old rose. That's wonderful. Delightful. 
wonderful stuff. That's really nice. <laughs> well, indeed. Let's see. Um, bone set's so wonderful. Oh, good, good. That's fun. Round leaf bone set. There are a bunch of them, but they're all called bone set. That's what's so funny that that we have we have seriously specific names for a lot of plants, and the bone sets have it too. But the round leaf one is the round leaf one, and the long leaf one is the long leaf. They're just they're, we've not been very poetic, but yes, bone set's great. Thanks for sending that. Um, that's fun. We plant fairy. When do we plant fairy tale pumpkins? Plant them in the summertime. They are usually the same. Pumpkins take about a hundred days from seed, and sometimes they take a little more. Sometimes they take a little less. But if you fertilize and water them really regularly with a reservoir next to them or some other method all summer, you can generally do it in about a hundred days. And the fairy tale pumpkins are about the same. Um, we start in July or start in June, even better, and then we have all the way through September for them to actually get to pumpkin size, and they're ready for October. So that's a good question. Beautiful. Love that aster. Thanks, Scott. That's our purple, Lance. That's the one that we've been talking about this morning. Such a beautiful flower. Um, This is the plant that I cut down in my driveway, and it still blooms anyway, but it blooms at two inches over the ground. (laughs) Because I cut it every year. And it blooms next to that in a nice full-size plant. But it is absolutely unbeatable. Just a delightful one. I'm going to have to start planting some of that. It's beautiful. <laughs> you got the little yellow in there and the purple. Yep, it's a pretty plant. Green. It's a really pretty plant. What is the you know average height for an aster? Is it going to be at like two feet or yeah. about two feet? Yeah. Voltonia, too, is another good choice. They're, these are they're native plants. They're considered weeds by a lot of people because they come up in places where you didn't expect them to be but for a sunny space particularly if you like a prairie garden kind of thing if you're putting in the bone sets and 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 other bits of the eupatorium family joe pie weed those kind of things these are just natural accompaniments and they'll step the bed down you know because those are all going to be five feet tall (laughs) our prairies here are not quite like the prairies up in the midwest our plants are the same rigorous plants but they just get bigger here because we have better growing conditions indeed let's see what would you recommend planting in a shaded flower bed that gets minimal sunlight well i'm going to say that this is this is lola in madison i don't know who you are where you are so i'm going to say because but it's a 601 so i'm going to say that you you're looking at hardy ferns um you're looking at some solid green leaf hostas and that those are going to become I, I feel like those are two of the basics for the kind of environment that you're describing but there are also other things cast iron plant for example which can almost grow in the dark but not quite so that might be those might be the best choices for that one um, I do like cast iron plant very much but I realize that that's not for everybody so so consider the hardy ferns and if I was doing that, I would probably be looking at Christmas ferns and some of the other dark greens that have a bold texture to them and put them with hostas, which, of course, have big round leaves and a much lighter look to them. Even though they're still green, they're, they're dark green, they're, they have a lighter look to them. Okay, okay. Let's see. Um, what was Scott? Oh, Scott's aster. That's so pretty. Beautiful, beautiful thing. We also plant, by the way, you'll you'll see in the farmer's markets now all the, the big green and white striped 
everything from gourds to giant cactus, uh, cactus to, to giant gourds to giant pumpkins to giant squash. And believe it or not, those are not planted any sooner, even though they get so huge. They're, they're planted all about the same time because the vines are what is the point. And if you are watering and fertilizing a vine for several months, then you're going to give yourself the opportunity to get some nice pumpkins, gourds, you know, some other kind of huge squash, whatever the one is that you like. Kakutsa, it might be trombone squash or something. They, they're they huge, but they take a long time. That's why we do that in the summer. My goodness. What a fast hour. Y'all always provide so much material. I look forward to one more this morning, and please stick around for more weekend gardening. Just three words tell you everything you need to know. They tell you why we employ more than 2,000 workers at our factory in Virginia Beach and why over 10,000 local steel dealers are putting battery power in the hands of Americans. Just three words. Made in America. Real steel. Find yours at SteelUSA.com. The majority of steel products sold in America are made in America of U.S. and foreign materials. Batteries and chargers are sourced internationally. Why? Just think about it. Why is the number one selling brand of chainsaws not sold at Lowe's or the Home Depot? We can give you over 10,000 reasons. That's how many authorized local steel dealers you can find across the country. Visit one and you'll find a range of dependable gas and battery-powered tools, from trimmers to blowers. And you'll find service from experienced professionals. Real steel. Find yours at SteelUSA.com. Lowe's and Home Depot are trademarks of their respective companies. Hi, I'm Thomas Trammell with Family Termite. With all the rain and heat that we've been having lately, the insects and termites are going crazy. Make sure to call us so that we can help protect your home at 601-933-1014 or reach us on our website at www.family-termite.com. That's Family Termite at 601-933-1014 or our website at www.family-termite.com. Guys, have Viagra and Cialis let you down? It can get you to the point where you think your best days are behind you. Well, think again. If you suffer from any type of erectile dysfunction, regardless of your age or medical history, Innovative Health Clinic in Ridgeland can help. Their treatment options work without pain, needles, surgery, or medications, and no downtime using the latest proven technology. Call 601-944-5585 or visit InnovativeHealthClinic.net for an appointment today. You're listening to WFMN Flora Jackson, Super Talk Mississippi, powered by your tree professionals at Baroni Street. Online at baroniestreepros.com. I'm JT Mitchell, and you're listening to Super Talk, Mississippi News. Less than 24 hours before the city of Jackson was set to go into a full-on trash crisis, officials have reached an agreement with Richard's Disposal that will continue garbage collection across the city. And Kimberly Campbell of the AARP is reminding Mississippians that you have just two days left to register to vote. 
one of the deadlines that's coming up is October 10th, and that is the deadline that you have to register to vote. So many of us are probably already registered, but we want to encourage you in case you're not. It's never too late if you are of age, of 18. Um, please make sure you do register to vote by October 10th. To learn how to register to vote or to update registration information, log on to supertalk.fm, where you can also find all the latest news in Mississippi. Sports is about overcoming obstacles. This is Ernie Johnson, Jr., and those are the stories I love to tell in the broadcast booth. But the courage of college athletes is more than matched by another group of young men. The boys fighting Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's the most prolific genetic killer diagnosed in childhood. And there's no cure. But college football coaches are doing something about it. And you can help. It's called Coach to Cure MD. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill or go online at coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501 today. Help college football coaches cure MD. You'll be proud you did. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. The Mississippi Charter School Authorizer Board recently rejected all but one application to open new charter schools across the state. Douglas Carswell with the Mississippi Center for Public Policy thinks the board seems determined to reject new applications. One of the most disappointing no's that they gave last week was to a school that is already a successful school in Clarksdale that wanted to expand to open up a high school. In the decade since charter schools have been allowed in Mississippi, only eight have opened. The argument put forward by the charter school for not approving schools mm-hmm. is that some of the applications are imperfect. Do they have any idea quite how imperfect the alternative schools that those children are now having to go to? And you can only apply to set up a charter school in an F-rated district. For Super Talk Mississippi News, I'm Kelly Bennett. In Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. Football action today finds Arkansas at Mississippi State to play the Bulldogs. 11 o'clock is the kickoff at Scott Field. 9 o'clock is the airtime this morning on the MSU Football Network. And then Ole Miss is at Vanderbilt to put their unbeaten status on the line. They're 5-0. and They'll take on the Commodores. 3 o'clock kickoff in Nashville. 1 o'clock is the airtime on the Ole Miss Football Network. It's an all-SEC Saturday. Tennessee is at LSU. Missouri is at Florida. Auburn is at Georgia, South Carolina at Kentucky. Texas A&M is at Alabama for a night game in Tuscaloosa. The Southern Miss Golden Eagles took last week off after winning two in a row. They're 2-2 two and two and open Sunbelt action today against Troy at Troy. Trojans are 3-2. and two. Kickoff is 6 o'clock at Troy, Alabama for the Golden Eagles in Sunbelt action. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. 
Hello, I'm Colonel Randy Ginn, Director of the Mississippi Highway Patrol. In 2021, MHP investigated 1,480 crashes involving commercial motor vehicles on Mississippi roadways. Many of those crashes could have been avoided. The MHP Motor Carrier Safety Division is partnering with big rig truckers to conduct safety checks across our state through the Troopers and Truckers Safety Initiative. The Department of Public Safety and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration are working together with one common goal, to keep our highways safe for everyone. Thank you and drive safe. All of us at the Mississippi Propane Gas Association are committed to providing you with the best possible services and affordable values. We operate in a way that assures a safe, reliable, and economical fuel source. Our trained personnel constantly monitor the conditions of our gas systems to assure reliability and safety. Any repairs or modifications to a propane gas system must be performed by the qualified technicians of your propane provider as required by state and federal regulations. Energy for everyone. Propane. Visit MSPropane.com. Major League Baseball playoffs are underway with a new 12-team playoff format. The postseason field grows from 10 to 12 teams this year. The wildcard game has been replaced by a best-of-three wildcard series, which will be the first round of the playoffs. The higher seed in each wildcard series will host all the games in that series, be it the two or the maximum of three. The winners of the wildcards then will go on to take on the top two division winners in the division series next week. In the National League wild card is the Mets versus the Padres, the Cardinals taking on the Phillies. In the American League wild card, it's the Cleveland Guardians taking on the Tampa Bay Rays and the Blue Jays taking on the Seattle Mariners in the other wild card series. The winners then will move on to the division series next week. The wild card series is the best two out of three. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Thank you so much. You know, I know you have a lot of choices. I appreciate that you've chosen this broadcast because where else is anyone going to tell you about the secret of swing, for example? All right. Who's going to study music? Well, us gardeners always want to turn on some music. I'm going to tell you a story, and I I don't think they're listening because by now they've turned on their saws again. My neighbor has pine trees in the front garden of his house, which I've talked about before, that every year they seem to be leaning a little closer to my house. Not doesn't make me happy, but, you know, that's the way things go. Big old pine trees. Took out all the rest of them after Katrina, all the ones in the back because they had gotten boars. Well, these did not get boars, but they have been there, and time goes by. So this project has been going on now for several days. There's a bucket truck parked in the front yard, and there's someone who's clearly coming there after another job and taking this tree down very carefully, very assiduously, but very late, as in, oh, I don't know, 8 to midnight. And... There's great music blasting off of the top of this bucket truck. But if you were trying to sleep, oh, I don't know, going to work the next day or something, this could have been a distraction. Last night, the noise was so loud when it's when one branch snapped and fell off that I actually had to go look. I mean, I've been listening to this thing. It's loud. I've been listening to this for days now. 
And all I can tell you is that at some point, the music is going to get so loud today that we will be dancing in the street. I feel confident because that tree's got to come on down. When you, you know, when you take something apart, you weaken it. And in the case of this tree, which is 20 feet tall and now has no top and no side branches, it's not very stable. I noticed as I was driving out this morning that it was already kind of swaying a little bit, <laughs> and there's not that much breeze. No, it won't hit my house if it falls. Don't worry. I looked at that first. The one the ne- one next to it now, if he gets to work on that one, I may have to leave for a day or two just not to be there to watch it. But when that kind of work is going on, it's good to have somebody to talk to. It's good to have somebody to say, it's okay, they've got it under control, or you might want to call them about that, or, gee whiz, I wish they had taken care of that sooner. And that's the sort of talk that we do here. This is all about plants, all about my plants and your plants and somebody else's plants, and as, and in fact, in this case, one that won't be there for too very much longer. Information came to us just over the telephone, but of course, because, you know, Gary's a gardener and he's busy, the, the Mississippi Gulf Coast Daylily Society is holding its meeting today at the library in Van Cleve. You ought to go. If you like daylilies, the folks in our state are better than anybody else at daylilies. And the Mississippi Gulf Coast Daylily Society, the meeting will be at 1 p.m., um, they're going to. The welcome will be at 1 p.m. and the whole thing will start. The actual meeting part at 1:30. We we call that the meet and greet part, where everybody says, "Hey, how's your mama?" You know, and and carry on a conversation, see who's going to show up. And by all means, you ought to show up there. If you're a daylily person, you need to know these folks. Speaking of getting together with people, new another bit of research um, has come out for us about the changes the pandemic has brought and and did it is one of the big questions. Previously, for example, we don't see in the statistics or in the research big changes after a hurricane, for example. Now, that's not to say there aren't changes. There are. But in terms of the way that people, generally speaking, our personalities do not shift so much. But, however, we're actually seeing a little bit of a little more agreeableness in some places and a little less in others. Um, I like the idea there were relatively few changes, uh, but, but there were declines in conscientiousness, for example, when the 2021-22 data was compared to previously. People are worrying about other things. They're not necessarily, I don't know, I, I don't want to call it a California stop, but one of the things that I noticed was that when there were more people staying at home and there was a little bit less traffic out there, people tended not to go along with the traffic rules as well. Um, In California, they used to call it the rolling stop when you just roll up to the stop sign and don't actually ever put the brakes all the way on and keep going. Well, I've seen a lot of people doing that at red lights, and I don't think that's a good idea. There's a reason why that traffic signal was put there. But anyway, those kinds of conscientiousness changes are one of the things that these folks have have been watching. Florida State University College of Medicine has been doing this work. I bring it to you today because the idea is that population-wide stressful events can slightly shift the trajectory, um, particularly in young adults. So I'm interested to see what the next phase of this study tells us, because obviously they will be studying the, the impacts of Ian which are tremendous and huge and gigantic in Florida. So we'll look forward to some more assessments of um, 
people's personalities, their behaviors. It's not so much a mental health thing. It's it's do you open the door for another person? Do you say, okay, sure, I'll help with that? Well, yes, we do that to a certain extent, but it'll be interesting to see how those things measure out over the next couple of years. I have uh, I've seen one one article this week of the houses that were built to withstand hurricanes in Florida, and that community is south of Fort Myers. But, yeah, they, they did survive very well. Their utilities are buried, and they have ponds that are available to catch water between them and the ocean. They're 20 miles inland. Well, there's a lot to be said for that, but, my goodness, I don't think you can necessarily project or predict that that will be the next housing form. I think my own experience, not just because it's me, but hello, Buckminster Fuller, for all y'all who don't know who that is, go look him up. Um, the, the the business of doming everything makes such a tremendous amount of sense. But can we just start with burying utilities? You know, Come on. So another question about... What have we done um, in in the time since pandemic that has come to my mind today? I, this is a behavior that I have done long before it. In fact, I have pictures of myself with other people staring at me because I wear a, a pollen mask when I garden outside to try and slow down some of my allergic allergic reactions to the pollens that I've been around for so long. You get inured to it, and eventually your body doesn't like it, and you react to it. And those are the kinds of things, not not just dust, but in a dry year like this, for example, when you're out raking leaves, there's going to be a whole lot more that you're going to inhale than you would if those leaves were just slightly damp. So you might want to consider it, too. The uh, I, I really appreciate... I really appreciate that that it is a symbol of care at this point in many places, and I'm I'm happy to tell you that the the Massachusetts Institute of Technology agrees with me in their new study. So look, go look them up if you want to disagree with us. That's okay. I've never been to MIT. I don't know anyone there, but I do know that their their reputation and their work has precedes them all the way across the centuries. And yeah. It does. Pollen masks do help in the garden, particularly when you go back inside and you take it off and you realize that that part of your face does not the same color as the rest of your face where all the dust and the dirt has fallen on you. And you think, you know, I would be breathing that. And the other one, of course, is because you're going to put on some kind of sunscreen, you're going to put on probably some kind of insect repellent in some cases. You need to shower after that dusty experience. And I'm, I'm just giving you these tips because I have learned them with sad truth and that is years of gee whiz i really hate these allergies well let's keep them out of your head silly put on a mask so there you go triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven i've got some answers to some things that came up in the last hour that question about privacy trees seems to have uh, a couple of choices and one that I wouldn't have thought of, so I like that. Nellie Stevens holly does grow rapidly for a holly tree, and it's a very thick, privacy-providing plant. Um, I have I have a hole in my front garden, and I've been thinking about putting a Nellie Stevens holly there just so that uh, long after I'm not in this particular house, there'll, be a, there'll still be a Nellie there. I did plant a couple of them in other places that I have lived. I hope that they are still there as well. Wax myrtle is another great choice for a privacy 
enclosure a tree. It is, of course, a native, and it has such beautiful leaves on it, really nice form, but it is dense and it grows quickly. Perhaps the winter, though, and I, this was the one that I had thought about, but when I went and looked up a little bit of more information about it to see if I was right during the, the break, indeed, um, green giant Thuga, T-H-U-J-A, grows three feet a year. So if you want fast-growing, dense privacy trees, those are some suggestions for you. There was also a question in uh, in the, the Garden Mama group on Facebook about well, about a reticulata, about a wernia reticulata, which is the stapeliads and the werneas are, I think that's how that's pronounced, are basically um, the same sort of plant. They're very close in relationship. These are the ones that will have a flower that it's called lifesaver plant or lifesaver cactus because the flower looks like a lifesaver with, with rays around it. No, lovely plants. And this person had said that hers was not doing too well, and um, I think... The chances are very good that it actually got too dry, but it's also possible that in watering it, she watered it too much at one time. If we allow water to sit in things like stapeliads, they will begin to rot from the inside out. If it was a matter of actually getting too dry, you would see them brown from the outside in of their leaves. So that's just something to put file away in your head. Brown spot on ginger. Yeah, it's going to happen. But for the most part, those are just a drought reaction. There's not really a bacterial that would form a spot or a, a, a fungus that would form like, like does on hydrangeas. It's probably just a physical problem. Josh in Ocean Springs tells us that uh, the person that we were talking with in the previous hour about the rose and the grass, he says the person's probably dealing with nutgrass. I don't think so because nutgrass doesn't get that tall. But Nutgrass is a problem, and he wants to know how to control it. The answer is good luck. Uh, Nutgrass is best controlled with solarization, and that, of course, implies that you're going to put clear plastic over the area for three or four months in the hottest part of the year to actually destroy them underground. That's what I had to do in my vegetable garden at one point up here in Jackson, and it, it was sad to lose that strip of garden for four months but it the the nutgrass has never come back and it came in the nutgrass came in in some mulch that i purchased and you really hate to pay for things that turn out to be really big problems but nutgrass is like that so i i it's, it's not been a problem since you still have a little bit of nutgrass but nothing like that now if you can't do that the nutgrass is another one that is best cut off and scalped and cut off and scalped and cut off and scalped. Yes, there are sprays for it, and sometimes they work. <laughs> so that's that's a terrible thing to say, but it's the truth. I don't know the answer to this one, Corey, and I, I, I like the question, though. What kind of ivy climbs a trellis and has a flower in the early spring? Well, there are a bunch, but I'm going to go with wisteria for big purple flowers and then I'm going to go with vinca for little bitty purple flowers. I don't if it's another color flower let me know. I'm not thinking of anything. The jasmine generally don't bloom until later on in the springtime. So that that catches us up with all of that. 888-808-8637 is the telephone number here. That of course is the Super Talk call line and it's always available to you when I'm here. Um, indeed the C Spire text line is where some of the rest of all this stuff has come from. 
601-879-4395. Yes, tomorrow is the um, Fondren Bottle Tree Garden Tour. Get your tickets at the Cedars. Go to FondrenGardenTour.com for information about it. Or if you just want to laugh, because it's a funny, it's a great website. It presents my neighborhood as the unusual place that it is. Um, let's see. Oh, Andrea, that's beautiful. She says, this is the first time to grow elephant ears. Do I need to move them into the ground so they will survive, or will they be okay in this pot? They'll be okay in the pot, but why not put them in the ground? Go ahead and plant them this fall, and then they'll just die back and come back up there in in the springtime. You can keep them in containers, but they never do quite as well. The big The big varieties like this seldom do quite as well. But I do love some elephant ears. Oh, my goodness. What would we do without that plant? You know, there's four different things that are called elephant ear, and we grow all of them. <laughs> Alocasia, colocasia, there's taro, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Anyway, wonderful, wonderful plants. Y'all know that I write, and um, one of the things that I write is the newsletter, and I appreciate Gary asking about that, too, because, yes, we're, we're rolling into time to renew for the uh, – 2023. <laughs> Can't say 2022 anymore. I have to say 2023 pretty soon. And that's very exciting for me. Um, this will be five years of this particular edition of the newsletter. And I always like it when things can get to be that age in writing, because frankly, it ain't that easy. But when we talk about writing, sometimes we have to think about what other people have said. And Ray Bradbury is one of my very favorite writers. I, I remember clearly um sitting at my friend Dottie's house under the covers with a flashlight reading iRobot when I was in the eighth grade. <laughs> yes, that's a reference to a long time ago. But the point is, any book that can get you to do that is worth the time. You know, you have to, you're staying up past when you're supposed to be up and you've just, they say, you know, people live a life, okay? The people who read live a whole lot of lives, and we have the opportunity, those of us who are, are voracious readers, I, don't, I have to tell you, I don't necessarily read three-inch thick novels anymore, okay? And it's not because of a short attention span. It's just because there's so many choices to read. And, and those of us who do read know that the writers and those of us who write know that the readers are essential to our well-being. For example, um, there, there's a quote from Samuel Johnson, the 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 bead, I think it was what he was called, Dr. Johnson, back in the 18th century, that he, he said there, the, the writer writes, but the reader finishes the book. You know, the writer begins the process or begins the book and the, the writer, the reader finishes it, which is true. Um, part of that is why I've never been able to read the last page first. And I know a lot of y'all do that. See how it's going to come out. See whether you want to waste the time or get invested in the story. I can't do that. The one from Ray Bradbury that I really fell in love with today, though, is, and what you ask does writing teach us? First and foremost, it reminds us that we are alive, and that is a gift and a privilege, not a right. This is Lucinda Williams.
from the ground up, from the grassroots. That's how we began in 1922, and that's how we do things today. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation celebrates 100 years in 2022. 100 years of farming, ranching, and supporting our 180,000 member families. From our state capital in Jackson to our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Creating policy, advocating for a better way of life for all Mississippi. We've been there through the tough times when Hurricane Katrina blew ashore. There is extensive damage on U.S. 90. Triumphant times, winning the right to vote to protect private property rights for Mississippians. We introduced benefits like our insurance in the 1940s and fought to stretch broadband internet service from DeSoto County to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So, from the ground up, not just a farm organization, 100 years of strengthening our families, our communities, and our state. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation. 100 years of faith, family, and farm. I'm Rex Baker with Gateway Rescue Mission. Every day, I see people in crisis. On the surface, they need a good meal. Deep inside, they need hope. On my best day ever, I can't save anybody. But we each can be a tool God uses to change a life. I want to challenge you. Allow God to use you to help someone else today. Check us out at gatewaymission.org. Helping people right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Garden Mama here for Lakeland Yard and Garden Center. Brighten the coming fall days and spice up your porch with the magnificent colors of cushion mums in bud and bloom. Lakeland has them. While you're there, be sure to check out the large selection of tropical plants and citrus trees for your sunroom, too. And don't forget to pick up winterizer for your lawn. Fall feeding promotes deep root growth and helps your lawn weather the winter. Listen to your mama now. We're growing your way at Lakeland Yard and Garden Center. Lakeland Drive and Airport Road. Hi, I'm John Albritton. If your diamond seems smaller today than yesterday, trade it for a larger stone at Albritton's. Our certified gemologist will give you a generous, no-obligation appraisal of your diamond, which can be applied to your new selection. Whether you choose to remount your existing stone or simply trade it, you'll get the most diamond value at Albritton's. Quality and value go hand in hand at Albritton's. All Britain's jewelers. Jenny Keith, the king of clean. How do you and your staff get things done? Teamwork. When a team works together, they can do anything. That's why all of us at Jannie King, the king of clean, are excited to team up with you. At Jannie King, our team has been working together for over 35 years, cleaning your places for work, education, medical attention, eateries, stadiums, and worship. Let our team help your team. Go to JannieKingCleans.com and trust your clean to the king. That's JannieKingCleans.com. Jannie King, the king of clean. At Community Bank, we believe our success lies in our continued commitment to community and upholding the same small-town values that we were founded upon. We are relationship bankers. Whether you're trying to grow your business, grow your savings for your future, or building your dream home for your family, we are committed to helping you achieve your goals. Community Bank, a bank that knows community. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Hey, I'm here with Alex Murray of Auto Innovation. At Auto Innovation, we want to change your car buying experience. When you're in the market for a quality pre-owned vehicle, please come see us. We want to make friends, not just customers. All eligible vehicles are inspected by a Master Tech mechanic and come with a limited powertrain warranty on us. We are located on Highway 51 in Ridgeland. Come by and see us or check out our inventory online at autoinnovation.net. Let us change your car buying experience. Auto Innovation, Highway 51 in Ridgeland. 
Playoff season. Baseball's fun anytime, but I, I don't. I, I'm not a Yankee fan. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm not a fan. I've never haven't been. I, I inherited not being a fan of New York Yankees. Okay, so my, my family's always been sort of Red Sox people for some reason. But anyway, the the Aaron Judge who just broke Roger Maris's record in with the 62 home runs in one season was one of the most eloquent athletes I have ever seen in my life, and I just want to tip my hat this morning because, um, first of all, he hugged everybody on his team. He didn't step up to the mic first. He hit the home run, took a deep breath, because I have a feeling the pressure has been tremendous. It looked like it, and it just fell away from him, and he he hugged everybody. And then he said nothing but kind and gracious things, and then he walked off hand-in-hand hand with his wife. Come on. Well, I'm, you know, that's a scene everybody needs to see at least once in, in a while. And for someone who has worked so hard to get to that point, good grief. The, the other difference, for those of you who don't care a thing about this and wonder why I'm talking about it, this has not been a home run year. This has not been a year of excess other sorts of substances that we have to attribute to the ability to hit home runs that we have had in previous years. This is a guy who learned how to play baseball and loved it enough to keep playing this long to be able to hit 62 home runs in one year. And then, you know, looking, as you said, not a huge home run year, but then you got Albert Pujols, who spent, well, you know, I mean, uh, my whole life. Yeah, in, in, forever. An yeah. amazing ball player and, and, and a, the accomplishment of, of his milestone as well. And it's two stand-up guys yeah. that are great ambassadors Absolutely. for the game. Absolutely. We're, we're really fortunate when it goes that way because too often what we hear about are the things that don't, don't have such a good public-facing look to them. And in this particular case, there's nothing but joy there, even for me, who doesn't like the New York Yankees. <laughs> I have to say that several times for benefit of my grandfather. Well, they, they took you know, they took the babe. You know, that, that's kind of the – yeah. that, that I mean, kind of ruins the relationship. Right it's sort there. of a tough – it was a toughie. It was a toughie. And he was around then, you know, so that's where the, the anger came from. But then later on, I have to confess – Radio was a wonderful experience even before Dizzy Dean was on television with baseball, which was lots of fun. I'd sit with them and watch baseball, you know, if I didn't have something else to do on a Saturday afternoon because they were going to hold court and watch baseball. But I, I, I will say that even before that, the broadcasts of WLS from Chicago and the broadcasts from St. Louis you know, to, to just listen to that noise in the night when there would be games and they'd have those turned on in the kitchen. That was fun. That was a different thing. And I know it's part of why I wanted to do radio. It's part of what brought me into it. Just like we talk about so many other things, we, the influences that we have are not necessarily the ones that we act on, but we act on them in one way or another. For example, there's a recent study out that I was just looking at uh, a bit ago that tells us Girls who are encouraged to dress up like Marie Curie, actually, the the pretend game, the play game, leads to a greater interest in science. Well, of course it does. You you do have to be able to imagine that you can do this to get to that place. And 
I, I can't say that I ever wanted to be Marie Curie because they definitely told me that she died from her science, you know, if it's radiation being what it is. But we're still better off that she was willing to do that and willing to do that work. But, yeah, there's, you, you know, you may grow up wanting to be one thing or another, but it's what you take from you may have grown up wanting to be a firefighter. You might grow up wanting to be Wonder Woman. You know, it could be a real thing, could be a fantasy thing. But, but what you take from that and what you allow yourself to give to your kids and your grandchildren is actually what becomes their next reality. There's another study out just this week that comes from the duh file, duh. Toddlers that don't spend as much time on their screens are better engaged with people. Duh. <laughs> So am I. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so if you as a group, but now that's not to say go tell your kids how many hours their children should be on the screen. Don't do that. Instead, when the kid comes to you, have something else to do. Get out in the garden. Go out in the garden and read a book. Go out and plant some seeds. Go out and plant some bulbs. You know, have something else. You, you don't have to, your message doesn't have to be don't do this. Your message, actually, the more effective one is, do this. And turn on Garden Mama while you're at it. Why not? That's right. Why not? I I can't say that that would ever be a bad idea. I am a jazz nut, as they say. I love to listen to jazz. I still haven't figured out exactly why. There's channels and everything. There's a whole world called smooth jazz, which is slightly – I love smooth jazz. Don't get me wrong. But it – it implies that there's rough jazz somewhere, and I'm not sure where that – I haven't found that channel yet. But I think it might involve Miles Davis, but I don't know. Um, there, there's just so many different pieces of learning about jazz. The Max Planck Institute for Dynamics and Self-Organization. What? Yeah, that really does exist. They've been studying swing. They've been studying jazz and that, that the reason that it has to swing, and what is that? Well, nobody knows exactly. The data that they worked on really was very sophisticated stuff, 450 well-known jazz solos, okay? Took the music, the physicists and the psychologists got together. Can't imagine what the lunch table was like. But anyway, they believe they have unraveled the secret of swing. They were able to demonstrate in, in amazing ways that no matter how it goes in the jazz world, it's got a particular micro-timing deviation that you will be able to sense. If you, even if you can't see it, you will hear it and you will, you will feel it. And that's how you will know that it is jazz. I love this. It is unconscious, apparently, from the musicians. They're so tiny. They're not perceived. But that is what makes jazz jazz. Um, the systematic de- deviation from 4-4 time, let's just use that one, makes a big, a huge difference. And it's it's not even syncopation, and it's not all those things are deviations, of course, but it's just that slightest uptick, the slightest change, the slightest swing, if you were, is how we got that. Uh, from Louis Armstrong, what is that thing we call swing? Yep, introduced by them to denote that particular kind of performance style. And attitude, and I would say point of view. So it, it's it's really a wonderful thing that they're working on. I'm glad of that. Um, partly partly the reason it's kind of like poetry. If you analyze poetry too much, it sort of loses some of its oomph. So I don't want you to get too deep into analyzing jazz. I just want you to know that it is defined and can be seen by micro deviations, and that's perfect. And in, in just in that, 
that little off, little off, a little more interesting because it's a little off. How about that? Sandra's on the text line this morning. She's got a hibiscus and a salvia in a container. She wants to know if she can put them in the ground now. Well, depends on what kind they are. If it is a perennial hibiscus and a perennial salvia, absolutely. If, on the other hand, they're the annual types, no, you've got a couple of good houseplants, and you'll want to keep them for that. So if you can tell me what kind they are, I can give you more information. But the perennial hibiscus, generally speaking, are going to have duller colored leaves. They're not going to be as bright and shiny green. And they may have double flowers or even fancier flowers than the single trumpet tropical hibiscus that we're so familiar with. The salvias, usually if they are annual salvias, are going to be fat stalks of flowers on plants about 8 inches, maybe tall, 8 or 10 inches. Whereas the perennial salvias will usually be clumpier and they'll have more flowers on the clump and they may be anywhere from 12 to 20 or more inches tall. So let me know what you have and I'll try and help. I am, uh, yeah, <laughs> less screen time. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. You know that one of we, we've had already the episodes where the, the people are um, – running into walls because running into traffic signs and street lights and stuff because they're texting and looking at their phone too long. So we don't want to raise that. We don't, we don't want to encourage that. But we also don't want to put down or berate or separate ourselves from their from, from other people. So we just want to offer the alternative. Let's go out in the garden. Let's do this. Yes, they're perennial. Yes, you can plant them now. Just make sure that you've watered the area first if it didn't happen to be raining or you don't have irrigation. Um, If I wanted to plant something today, I would be watering for about an hour probably just in order to get the soil, not, not hard watering, but watering steadily. If I wanted to dig a hole because it would be that it would be that long before I could penetrate six inches into the ground. Okay. Okay. Coming up at the end of this month, um, our, our our friend Ken Hackman will be here for me at the end of the month, and he will be celebrating Halloween with you. <laughs> I'm happy to say that he will be here. Interestingly enough, I have a bird story from um, Penn State. Now, I don't know about you, but when somebody can identify bird songs and, and all that, I'm, I'm always thrilled. I love I love knowing what it is that's singing at me or yelling at me in some cases. There's a fellow there in Pennsylvania who uh, describes himself as a diehard birder. There are a lot of those. And he, he heard what he thought was the scarlet tanager singing. You know, the scarlet tanager, even we don't, even we who don't necessarily bird know that they're um, bright red and have black wings. They're beautiful, beautiful birds. They're always in lots of artwork and stuff. And it, it's a favorite because it's pretty, but it's rare to see because they live in the canopy, way up in the in the forest. So he actually did not. He he, he said, "Well, my goodness, this rose-breasted grosbeak sounds just like a scarlet tanager." So to figure out whether or not he was right, he literally went into some work and started doing the, the work with some other folks. What they were able to find out. It's a little bit of a mystery. Why does this bird sound like that one? But also a surprise. Um, what, there was, yes, my friends, a Romeo and Juliet story to be told here. 
There was a female rose-breasted grosbeak and a male scarlet tanager. How and where they met, we don't know. We can make it up, but we don't know. Believe me, these guys made it up, but they don't know. They they live in different habitats, so they didn't really they didn't like run into each other at the grocery store. Okay, they they don't live in the same places. But what they worked on was to understand that what they found was actually the healthy offspring of these birds, and in fact, surprise surprise, the first documented hybrid looks one way, sings the other. Love it, love it. That's so much fun. This is a rare coupling. We've not seen it before, and we have also, hopefully, not seen it for the last time. So that's something, if you want to talk to Ken about at the end of the month, he's, he's our bird man, he will know. He will absolutely know. Let's see. Um, Corey's really busy today in Batesville. What's the best way to build and start a raised flower bed box? The best way is to prepare the soil first and then put the box around it. And I, I, I know that that's not always possible because sometimes the box has to have a bottom in it, in which case you have to put a drainage layer, you know, if it's going to set it up on the concrete or if it's going somewhere that has no space to go into the soil below, then you do have to put the box up and then fill it. But if possible, mix the soil off of there and then bring it to the box. Make sure there's drainage in that box, whether it's, you know, holes or um, an elevated base so that the water can run out of those holes or a layer that's it's deep enough to put in a layer of gravel or something else that will help with drainage because drainage is always important in, in raised beds and boxed gardens. That's why we do them. My preference is, though, if I'm going to take a space and turn it into a raised bed and a, and a garden box, so to speak, I'm going to make do the soil first. I'm going to mark the area off, take all the grass and weeds off of the surface, turn the soil over at least one shovel's depth, and then begin the process of adding to that soil, building on top of it with organic matters. I want to put compost. I want to put leaf mold. I want to put ground bark, um, whatever, any of those things that you have. You may have well-composted gin trash. You may have any number of other organic matters. The idea is that if we put several different sizes of organic matter with our native soil, then it doesn't matter whether our soil is natively sandy or natively hard as a rock like mine. It will have other particles to bond with and create a soil that you can grow in so then you basically roll all that together till it up shape it into a a bread loaf kind of size you know a bread loaf mound and put the sides around it of whatever you're going to use to do that some some wood or rocks or whatever you're using to make the bed but i really the best way to do it is if you were doing it outside and had to bring the soil to the bed you would still want to mix your soils together first and then put them in okay okay that really makes a lot of difference it if if we start first of all it's a lot of hassle if we have we have a box and we start trying to dig in the soil inside the box it, you won't want to braise bed garden <laughs> and we can make it a lot easier if you'll do that part first i have to tell you it is a little cooler than it was this morning i like a day like that it's all about the breeze this is weekend gardening
is about overcoming obstacles. This is Ernie Johnson Jr., and those are the stories I love to tell in the broadcast booth. But the courage of college athletes is more than matched by another group of young men, the boys fighting Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's the most prolific genetic killer diagnosed in childhood, and there's no cure. But college football coaches are doing something about it, and you can help. It's called Coach to Cure MD. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill or go online at coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501 today. Help college football coaches cure MD. You'll be proud you did. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. At Fillmore Buick GMC, we strive to make buying your next vehicle easy and take care of you long after you drive off the lot. That means upfront and honest pricing, doing everything we can to make the time you spend in the dealership as short or as long as you need. It means we understand that purchasing a vehicle is more than just a transaction for you. We want you to enjoy the experience as much as we appreciate your business. Find your next Buick GMC or pre-owned vehicle at FillmoreBuickGMC.com. Fillmore Buick GMC. You drive everything we do. Do you suffer from allergies, sinus or respiratory problems, or just want to improve the quality of air you breathe in your home or business? Pure Air Consultants can help. As your indoor environmental specialist, we clean air ducts, install UV lights, and service all makes and models of heating and cooling systems. We offer the most dependable Energy Star qualified systems in the industry. Call Pure Air Consultants today, 601-939-7420. A proud provider of Green Home AC Systems. (laughs) Are you feeling it? The new degree of comfort. Longevity means something when you do business. And since 1871, the family atmosphere has been the cornerstone at Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile in downtown Bolton. Stop in to shop the huge selection of Deer Camp specials to get you ready for that big buck. Are you ready to move that project to the front burner? Gaddis McLaurin has the lumber you need to make that fall project come into focus. And Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile is ready to help you get that fall garden in tip-top shape. Family is in the name at Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile in downtown Bolton. We'll see you soon. It's a sale over four decades in the making. Miss Kelly's 44th anniversary sale. Get up to $500 off our everyday low prices. Plus, take 60 months to pay with no down payment. Furniture trends have changed a lot since 1978, but Miss Kelly's never goes out of style. Stay on trend and on budget with this amazing anniversary offer. Up to $500 off plus 60 months to pay with no down payment at all Miss Kelly's locations. This is Treasurer David McRae. One out of every 10 Mississippians has unclaimed money. It's not the government's money. It's your money. And I want to help return it to you. Join Treasurer David McRae and team during the State Fair. Stop by the unclaimed money and college savings booths, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. October 6th to 15th, to see if you have unclaimed money, learn about college savings, and sign up for a chance to win a $500 scholarship. Treasurer David McRae and team in the trademark at the State Fair until October 15th. Come see us. What if there was a paint that could awaken something as old as that Rip Van Winkle guy? What? Because it could adhere to the most weathered exteriors and completely restore its youth. Hey, there's hair on my head again. If a paint could give any time-worn surface stunning new life, is it still paint? Regal Select Exterior from Benjamin Moore. Paint like no other. Seabrook Paints in Jackson and Ridgeland. Visit SeabrookPaints.com. 
sometimes you just have to listen to a tune a few times, a few thousand times, hear something new every single one. If you're, if you're not a fan of Booker T and the MGs, please inform yourself because <laughs> you'll be happier if you do. <laughs> listen now. This is really part of one of the things that everybody says is you got to plant that fall garden. And I am one of those people that says that fall vegetable growing is so much easier than growing them in any other time of the year. But it's also true that some of us just don't get around to it or some of us only want to grow tomatoes and we want to grow them in the spring or we have a point of view. We're going to do this. We don't care about fall. We have something else to do in the time at the time frame. Well, okay, plant a cover crop. Give yourself the opportunity to nourish that soil that you're going to be digging up next spring for whatever it is that you're going to plant. Maybe it's squash. Maybe it's lettuce. Maybe you're a person that loves all that sort of stuff. If you're not growing that fall garden in that vegetable plot, get yourself some clover. Get you some alfalfa. Even use the leftover seeds that you've got hanging around that you planted last year. Whatever it is, let it get to be about two or three inches tall and then till it in. Okay. That gives you a huge basis of nitrogen and other goodies that the soil needs. And it also allows you, because it'll be, it'll take several weeks for that to sprout and grow enough to turn under. It'll also give you a good cover for that. Now that's called green manuring. If you put in a cover crop and leave it, like we do with clover over the winter, that's actually a cover crop. Okay, so there's two different things, but it ultimately starts with, it's, it's how you use it, but it ultimately starts now with recognizing that you're not going to plant that particular bed or that particular row this fall and giving yourself the opportunity to grow something else. I've known plenty of people who put out the mustard greens or something else like that, and then as soon as they picked them all, they just sow another round because they had seeds left, and when those get to be about three or four inches tall, they till that whole business under. So you you can go a lot of directions with this, but it all goes back to feed the soil, then you can feed the plants, and the two will work better if they are both eating properly. If you are in the process of getting ready to move a tree, let's say that's four feet tall, from out in the backyard or the far back of the woods or somewhere else that ordinarily it doesn't get much attention, this is a really important step to take right now. Go out and go around that tree or shrub with your shovel and create the space that you're going to be moving. Yes, you may have to haul some water back there and water it first because you may not be able to get your shovel in the ground but a a couple of inches. And what we're trying to do is actually cut into the soil around the tree to form what's going to ultimately be its root ball that you move. In a dry year like this, it's especially important because it will take several rains. It will take rain all through the winter for that root ball to actually be healthy enough again to move. Right now it's in survival mode. So if you will give your chance your, yourself the chance to give it some help, then you will find a better result down the way. If you're, if you're literally just going to yank it out of the ground, still water it first. Because <laughs> this is this time of year in most places, that's what, that's what we need. And it's not a bad idea anyway. You don't, ever, you don't really ever want to dig up a dry plant. You don't want to spray a dry plant or fertilize one. And the same is almost true on the very wet end. So give yourself the opportunity to, to give it a moderate environment before you begin messing around with it. Somebody asked me this week about calendulas. I do like calendulas. They're called pot marigolds or French marigolds because you usually grow them in a container or a pot. 
and they're um, they're 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 nice. They're very aromatic. However, I do not recommend them as a house plant, which is what her question was. She was trying to put something blooming into her decorations for the holiday. I would suggest small mums are a better choice. Okay, because they don't have that. They, they they smell, but they don't smell as much <laughs> as the calendulas do. Oh, maybe that's just me, but most people agree with me. Oh, by the way, this dry fall, I've seen several of candelabra plants, candlestick plants that are the Senna alata. They're also called cassia. That's a big, tall, real fleshy-looking yellow flower on a tree about three or four feet tall. If you're in Zone 8, it is planted from seed, or in Zone 7, it's planted in from seed in the early, early spring and then transplanted into the garden. But right now is the time to be collecting those seeds. And if you all are where they are perennial, oh, hello, Ocean Springs, you know, if you're there, then you still want to collect those seeds because they're valuable to those of us farther north, and you can probably sell them to us, if not pass them on as plants okay you may want to start the plants and bring them to a market somewhere for that but the point is that they're dry 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 the flowers are not as big they're they're not as bold and the seeds are forming sooner than they would in a year that was well watered in the summertime so keep an eye on them and collect your seed as soon as you need to okay let them dry on the plant but don't let them dry to the point where they fall off in this case that's not the best that's not the best approach. All right, now, I've taken you through breadfruit. Next time, next we're going to talk about onshore algae farms. What? No, I'm really not. But, it, but indeed, this is a thing you're going to read more and more about because we need to be using all of our resources that are sustainable, that are replenishable to feed people. I still don't know if I think moving algae on shore is going to be a good idea, but somebody's trying it, and it is just about, you know, it's a protein-dense um, microalgae is real important in, in feeding the world. So think about it. You may you may not want to think about it, but think about it. You'll probably run into it somewhere before too long. I had to watch the mutiny on the bounty this week after you mentioned <laughs> breadfruit last week. <laughs> Now come on, breadfruit's really good. I mean, it 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 is it has a bad reputation because it's not the easiest one to deal with, but it it has a it has a certain charm to it. Um, they all have certain charm to it. There, there are other people who say there's a reason why you have never heard of breadfruit. <laughs> I feel that way about parsnips. You know, anytime there's a brand new field of research, I get a little bit more excited. University of Bonn been trying to figure out what's in those fossil leaves. Okay. They look at all those fossils and they examine them and they have finally figured out that those teeny tiny little microstructures that are crystals in the fossil are actually calcium oxalate. Can you imagine? How does that stuff stay around so long? Well, we're just lucky, I guess. At least we know some things. It's formed by a lot of living plants. It's considered a very common biomineral, but nobody really knows exactly what it does and we certainly don't know why it lasts into the fossil age i tend to think it's because maybe it's not used at all or because it's extremely important (laughs) and so evolutionarily the plant has decided to hold on to it for as long as possible either one of those could be the reason and sometime in the next oh i don't know five or ten years somebody will figure it out that's what's so joyful about research you're you're not necessarily going to find the answer today or even tomorrow but you are the next person that picks it up. If you've established a good process, somebody's going to figure it out. 
we human beings are are really very strong on that. Oh, the bad news from Brigham and Women's Hospital is that, in fact, yes, you who eat late at night, it makes you hungrier. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) That's not what we were hoping for. It also decreases the calories that are burned if you ate the same food at another time. I don't know, but, but let's just be careful. Let us also remember that particularly wonderful is that petting dogs engages your social brain, gets them what they want, gets us what we want. I'm going to go home and play with the kitten. Yeah, that's right, the kitten. What am I doing? I know what this is. I'm coming back next week for more weekend gardening. Weekend Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of TeleSouth Communication. Welcome to Doghouse Living. Our guest is Bob and his wife, Jenny, who started this craze. Well, you know, while digging, I hit a gas line and blew up our house. Well, Bob, I am just blown away. No pun intended, of course. Why wouldn't you just call 811? So, the takeaway, folks, to stay out of the doghouse, call 811 before you dig. Let's make our goal zero damages, zero injuries. Hello, I'm Colonel Randy Ginn, Director of the Mississippi Highway Patrol. In 2021, MHP investigated 1,480 crashes involving commercial motor vehicles on Mississippi roadways. Many of those crashes could have been avoided. The MHP Motor Carrier Safety Division is partnering with big rig truckers to conduct safety checks across our state through the Troopers and Truckers Safety Initiative. The Department of Public Safety and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration are working together with one common goal, to keep our highways safe for everyone. Thank you and drive safe. Are you a hard worker? Are you dependable? Do you have a good attitude? Do you want to be part of a team? If so, the Black Label Bridge Builders at Key Constructors offers lead men and women purpose-driven career opportunities with on-the-job and outside training, leadership development, and benefits. To learn more about what it takes to be a Black Label Bridge Builder, please visit Key's website at keyconstructors.com. Please also follow at Key Constructors on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to see regular updates on the Black Label Bridge Builders. Are the trees and shrubs running your yard instead of you? Let the tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros take out your problem limb by limb. Baroni's Tree Pros is your complete tree, shrub, and stump removal service. No job is too big for the tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. And with our superior cleanup, you can't go wrong. Baroni's Tree Pros, 601-345-8090. 601-345-8090. That's 601-345-8090. Or online at baroniestreepros.com. That's baroniestreepros.com. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.